We're so grateful that you're here to worship alongside us as we aim to, to magnify Jesus and make much of him. Uh, each week we gather, it's a privilege, and if you've been with us at least for the last month or so, you know we've been walking through a series in the Gospel of John. And I, I want to say to you that this week is no different. We're continuing in a series in the Gospel of John, but we're skipping ahead. As, as you know, we're entering into Holy Week. Uh, starts today, Palm Sunday, uh, ends on Easter Sunday, where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and that is good news. We're looking forward to that. This is kind of a tee-up to the gospel message that, that's going to come, and, and we are excited and thrilled for what God has in store. And so for the next two Sundays, it's going to look a little different. You know, we're, we're skipping ahead. We were still in John 1 uh, after like five weeks. It just seems like we just couldn't move from there. And, and, and I feel like God's done a, a cool thing in that. Uh, but we're skipping forward to John chapter 12. And then we'll come back to John chapter 2 on April 24th. So uh, we have a schedule laid out. It's, it's, we're excited for what God's doing. But I want us this morning to... Uh, read from John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. And this is the story or the, the, the account from John of the triumphal entry. It says like this in John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. It says, The next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and they, they went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and said on it, just as it is written, verse 15, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, it's after the fact, they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Ryan mentioned a little bit earlier this morning as he started the service that, the, that this is the beginning. Our gathering today kicks off what we know as Palm Sunday, not just at ACC downtown, but the global church as a whole is, is celebrating this moment and ends with the culmination of the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday. And man, I don't know about you, but this is like the perfect time of year. This is, somebody mentioned this, it's like the Super Bowl for Christians. I'm like, all right, uh, it, sort of, I guess, I don't know, maybe not, not, not actually what it is, but it feels like that, I guess, in some way. Uh, and Ryan mentioned this too, that contrary to, uh, you know, we know this as, as Palm Sunday, but contrary to popular meme belief that this is not in reference to Palm Sunday, is not when Jesus finale hands on Satan, you know, like that's not what this is. This is not like, I mean, kind of, sort of, right, in the beginning. Like, this is where Jesus puts an end to sin and death and the grave, right? He conquers that, and we have a future hope to look forward to. Uh, but no, instead, this is uh, Sunday marks the start of the events that would lead Jesus from riding victoriously into town on Sunday, held as the Messiah and king to rescue Israel from their oppression, to him being tortured and nailed to a cross between thieves on Friday. Right? And it's like, why would we celebrate that? Uh, because it's in this story that we actually find hope. 
When we reflect on this progression from the crowd shouting, Hosanna, uh, Hosanna in the highest, or translated, Lord, save us, we pray, to the verse people, uh, the very same people on Sunday uttering the words, crucify him a few days later, it's pretty polarizing. Right? That the same people as we're seeing in this passage that are yelling, Hosanna in the highest, or, or translated, Lord, save us, we pray, save us now. The same people that are crying out to God, or Jesus riding in on this donkey, are, are the ones that are in, in a few short days going to yell, crucify him, crucify him, and are the ones that lead him to be nailed to a cross. You know, when I was reading this, I was realizing just how polarizing this shift is, right? Like these same set, the same set of people from one moment to the next would, would yell this, would chant this. And, and you read the Gospels, or at least I do, and I wonder, man, how in the world could this happen? Right? Like there had been prophecies written. There had been, been teachings that they've, these people have heard of since birth. How could this happen? How could this lead to such a moment where they would yell, crucify him? And I would humbly respond in, 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 in my own self as I was praying. It's, it's actually much easier than we would think. Right? You might read this and you'd be like, how could they? And I read this and I'm like, yeah, I get it. I see this. When we kicked off this series about a month ago, I opened it with a question. It was, what comes to mind when you think about God? I emphasized this quote from A.W. Tozer uh, where he would say, what comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Right? It shapes how we view God. It shapes how we view ourselves. It shapes how we view our neighbors. And it shapes how we view the world. Right, so what comes to mind? This is a callback to week one, uh, but what comes to mind when you think about God? You say, might be asking to yourself, like, yeah, well, why are we examining this or asking this question? But what if I were to say that must, much of our frustration with God is our misconception of who he is and how we expect God to show up in our lives? Right? That's the root of a lot of our frustration with God, our anger toward him, our questions that, that may arise. Right? It's at the root we have a misunderstanding or misconception of how we expect him to show up in our lives. And what we will see from this passage or what we just read is that the conundrum is foundational to the understanding of the story of Palm Sunday. What we have read in the Gospel of John just now is a classic example of expectation versus reality. You ever see those uh, like great American baking show where like they, they give you this thing and then it's like this other thing you're like, what in the world was that? Like that's not what we prepared for. It's not what we were trying to make. Uh, this is a, an example to probably the infinite degree of what this looks like. In the Gospel of John, and let me explain this. You're like, what does Jesus have to do with the, the baking show? <laughs> uh, and, and allow me to explain. It's this case of expectation versus reality. In the Gospel of John, word has traveled fast of this man who's performing incredible miracles. They hear that through this Jesus, water is being turned into wine, right? The dead are being raised, and, and he's performing all these signs and, and miracles, and all of a sudden they hear... He's coming to the feast. He's coming to the Passover. 
So, so these people are hearing of this, this incredible man that is performing miracles, signs, wonders. I mean, he is, he is fulfilling these things, and they're saying, hey, this Jesus is actually on his way here to celebrate Passover. People have traveled from all over to be a part of this festival. Some scholars would say about 120,000 people were gathering here. They were here to, to celebrate Passover and, and give recognition to God for the things that he's done. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes in to the picture. And surely they're thinking, man, we, we've heard about this guy. Like, surely he is the one. Similar to how John the Baptist would be anticipating the Messiah. They're saying, he is here. He's finally here. And, and I'm sure word was traveling among them quickly. Right? Like, hey, it, word is coming. But, but he actually just did this. And he's on his way here to celebrate the Passover. According to John's testimony in the gospel, they see Jesus at a distance in what they do. They give him a royal welcome. They take palm trees to, to run and to meet him. They're laying the branches at his feet like a red carpet rollout. Right? Jesus finds a young donkey, sits on it, fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9. And the people are crying out and shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel, as he rides in. This is it. This is the moment we've been waiting for. Our king is on the scene. He is here. He's finally going to rescue us. He's finally going to step into the situation. They acknowledge that at that moment, our king, the king of Israel, is here. I mean, can you imagine what that must have felt like? Like, put yourself in the shoes of the people that had been anticipating a king. The joy that must have felt, they must have felt. Maybe the relief that they must have felt from tension that they were wrestling with, the things that they were going through. Their hopes and dreams led to this moment, the thrill of witnessing this king in person, right? I mean, can you imagine what that must feel like? Like this, when I mean, we see this sometimes, like people get super excited. My, our, one of our buddies, his name's Andy, uh, was at a restaurant the other day and he saw one of the San Antonio Spurs and he was like lighting up our group chat. He's like, bro, Josh Primo is here. Josh Primo is here. I'm like, yeah, I mean, he's eating at a restaurant. Like, that's what, that's what you do. But we, we see like the excitement filled for a celebrity. Can you imagine the excitement that they must have felt saying, man, our deliverer is finally here. Like just... Think about the thing that you've been wanting or asking God for, and it just kind of shows up. Like the relief that you might feel in that moment. This is what they are experiencing. Jesus makes his triumphal entry, and the people have their king. So what's the problem? What would lead the people to shout king on Sunday and kill him on Friday? Remember the statement from Tozer? The problem for the people of Israel is often that the problem for you and for me today, the problem is this, that Jesus was not the king they wanted, but he was the king that they needed. Allow me to explain this a little bit. The Jewish people had been experiencing oppression for many years. They were mistreated by the Romans, and they wanted a king who would come in power and force to finally liberate God's people. They saw Jesus and thought, this is it. He's coming to do it. 
He's going to kick those Romans where they need to be kicked and kick them out. And we finally get to do things we want to do the way that we want to do them. It's our time to shine. And Jesus doesn't fulfill on the way that they would want him to, to reign. As the author of the New American Commentary says, he says, the crowd attached themselves to the idea of triumph in Zechariah 9.9. But when Jesus chose a young donkey for his entrance, rather than a chariot and horses or a camel, the animals that were used at that time by the Roman people or the empires that were about to do a conquest, they understood that there was another perspective in that text of Zechariah. A perspective that would not be warmly welcomed by the crowd. And that perspective was humility. They wanted a king who would come and, and lead with chariots and power and force. And Jesus says, no, no, no. He comes as a humble and a gentle, lowly servant. King Jesus was, was, was not as a military, a military leader would conquer the Romans, but as a humble servant to people who would reject him. Gary Burge says this, that this gentle, humble king is not a man of chariots and war horses, swords and bows, but one who will bring peace to all nations. His gift is a gift of life, not conquest. Hence, Jesus is forcing a messianic reinterpretation of his purpose for the crowd, which is caught up in a frenzied passion for Jesus' kingship. This Jesus came not to bring force, but came to bring peace to the nations, peace to the world, joy to people, abundant life that could only be found through him. And these people were dead set on wanting a military leader who would come in and just take things over like they had hoped. And to a degree, you get that. The people expected liberation, right? Jesus came to liberate them from not just this, but from sin and so much more. Jesus came to deliver the people from oppression and the power of sin and provide abundant life only founded him if they would only believe. See, these people wanted something, and Jesus was offering something better. We read John's account of the triumphal entry and have a couple of thoughts, right? The first is, man, this doesn't sound all that triumphant, <laughs> right? Like, like you would probably hear, when you hear a sermon on the triumphal entry, you're thinking, man, this is a celebration. Like, we are like blast the horns i don't know like bing, bing, bing. that's what we do during fiesta right you heard that all over iosa <laughs> uh, you know but you would expect this giant thing and, and so you read this and you're like this really doesn't sound all that triumphant at all and the second thing that you read this and you're like how do we even consider this for today I'm a brief word on these thoughts or, or concerns that while this doesn't sound all that triumphant, it fulfills biblical prophecy and leads us to the truth that we are in desperate need of a rescuer, being Jesus, on his terms and not ours. Right? That we expect Jesus to show up in our terms, and the way that Jesus shows up as king looks a lot different. Right? The way that we expect him to show up in our lives might look very, very different. Can you imagine... I was, I was thinking about this. Can you imagine the world, our world even, if Jesus came only to fulfill what they had in mind? 
Right? If Jesus came only to fulfill this, this, this idea of overthrowing the Roman government, if he did that and that was all, there would be no triumphal entry <laughs> account in the Gospels today, and there would be no cause to celebrate on Easter Sunday. If all Jesus did was, was to show up and, and accomplish what the people of Israel wanted, we would have no cause for celebration. The people couldn't see the whole picture. Right? That what we would have if, if this actually came into play was, would be a liberated nation, but no liberation from sin. Right? A, a, a people free from Roman rule, but, a, but no freedom found in Christ for us. Right? If Jesus only came to accomplish what, 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 what they wanted, we'd be in a really terrible situation. But the people couldn't see the whole picture. They wanted something immediate, and Jesus was offering something that would be eternal and they rejected him. The people were quick to pronounce him king until he did not meet their expectations, and the same is true for me. And the same is probably true for some of you in this room. I mean, some of you may have this whole Jesus thing really nailed down, and I want to learn from you. Uh, but the reality is that often I, I'm a lot like the people of Israel, right? That, that I want to worship Jesus so long as he fulfills the things that I desire from him. Right? Like the Jewish people in the Gospel of John, we worship and welcome, a king, welcome this king so long as he is made in our image, lives up to our expectation, defeats the enemies that we desire. Still, when those expectations go unmet, we go from yelling Hosanna to quickly dismissing Jesus straight to the cross. Right, that, that, that usually what happens in a lot of, in, in my own life, is that if something's not going right, Jesus is probably not the first place we turn to. He's a last resort. Right, we, we want to worship Jesus, this, this, this king, so long as he, he does, fulfills the things that I need him to do. He, he fulfills this role that, that, that I've checked off on this box, but when he comes to do what he's called to do, what he's promised to do, and it looks different what I, than what I expect, and I really have trouble following this king. I have to admit that when <laughs> I was reading this story, I thought to myself, how in the world could be, these people be this close to Jesus, proclaim as, a, as king, and in the same week turn and have him crucified? Like, you know, I was, I was reading that, and it was, you know, the things kind of just jump at you sometimes when you're reading scripture. And again, I was just kind of reminded of my story's not much different. Right, that often we come and hear worship to Jesus, singing songs that speak of his goodness, his love and mercy. We often have the sayings down, right? Like if I say God is good, you're going to respond with all the time. Or at least some of you that grew up in Southern Baptist churches are going to know what that's about. You're like, oh, the, and then you're going to sing a song. And then you're like, there's, there's hand, probably hand motions I go to because there's hand motions for every sing, single Christian song made in the 90s, I guess. <laughs> but like, you know the, the, the role that you're supposed to play Right, you know the, the sayings, like, right, too blessed to be stressed. Like, what, I don't know, what, what are some other things? Whatever Hobby Lobby has on their signs, right? Like, we, we know that this is what this is, right? Like, we, we know all the, the, the cute sayings, and we have them on our coffee mugs, and, and we're like, yeah, God is good all the time. You know, it's like, you're, it's like Sunday, we get here, he is risen. Everybody's like, he is risen indeed, right? Like, like we, we have all these things that we say and we proclaim as, as truth, but the moment that our life gets hit with difficulty and Jesus doesn't show up the way that we thought he would. Our affection and our love and our heart is the first to wane. 
right? It, it, as soon as life hits in, in a place that, that we don't really expect it to, it's just like, God is good. You're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's just like, I'm going to jam out to Drake or something. Uh, this is just like this. I need, we call it, we have a, a group chat and some of, some of our guy friends, and we call it Sad Boy Hours. Uh, and this is just like, yeah, life hits. It's just like, all right, we're going to go sit around a campfire and drink whiskey, make steak, and listen to sad music. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, that's kind of our, our first response sometimes when life hits and Jesus the King doesn't show up the way that we want him to. I don't say it really, but I live with this kind of mindset. God, if you do this, then I'll worship you. If you show up the way that I want you to show up in my life, then you're worthy of my triumphal entry response. So how do we move beyond as we prepare our hearts for Easter Sunday, which is next Sunday at 10 a.m., bring a friend, you're going to hear the gospel, it's going to be great. But how do we move beyond from the king we want to the king we need kind of mindset? It's funny, I was, as I was preparing for this uh, sermon, some of you, you, do you utilize Spotify playlists all the time? If you're a Spotify user, I, I love it. It's great. I have like a bunch of playlists that I've like saved, saved from friends. And, and a lot of times when I'm Getting ready, I'll, I have a couple playlists that I kind of toggle back and forth between. It's usually like some sort of ambient music or jazz weird stuff. And uh, sometimes it's Sad Boy Hours playlist, you know. Uh, and I was, I was, I was, I just kind of clicked a random one, and, and I kind of had it set up on my little Bluetooth speaker there. And a song came on uh, from the prophetic group back in the day, still around. Uh, and the lyrics go like this, you can't always get what you want. But if, some of you understand where this is coming from. But if you try sometimes, well, you might find you get what you need. It's the Rolling Stones. It's not really a prophetic group. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, is that the Newsboys? <laughs> no, it's Rolling Stones. And I, you sh- if you're listening to Newsboys, please listen to better music. <laughs> I'll send you the list to a playlist or something. But it's, I, I, I thought, like, I was reading this. I was listening to this. I was like, it's so true. But, you know, I don't always get what I want. But I do get what I need. And the same thing is true of Jesus and how he shows up in our life, that sometimes he doesn't show up the way that we want him to, but he will show up in the way that we need him to. And so I make the joke of the Rolling Stones and the Used Boys, but in all seriousness, uh, I think the first step in the right direction is to ask a simple question. And so I'm going to ask this of you, and again, sort of like we started this morning, If you could, I would love for you just to close your eyes. In a posture of humility, ask this simple question. Are there areas in my life where I'm worshiping the Jesus that I want, but not submitting to the Jesus that I need? Is there an area of my life, is there a place in my heart where I'm cool with worshiping Jesus so long as he does this, but we don't want him to roll in as king into a certain area of our lives? Maybe there's some things that that we've not confessed. 
maybe there's some things that we're holding on to that we know we, we need to let go of. And we're cool with Jesus so long as we get to show up on a Sunday and sing some songs. But man, if Jesus tries to touch this area of my life, this isn't going to go well. Ask yourself, am I serving or worshiping Jesus simply for an immediate deliverance? A hope that he will just make my situation better. Maybe my relationship better. Maybe it's marriage or an engagement. Maybe he'll make that better. Again, this is a good thing. But can we get to a place where we worship him for the loving God, full of mercy and salvation that he is? Again, if you're, if you're there with your eyes closed, picturing Jesus riding into town on this, this donkey, can we move to a place in our heart, again, preparing for Easter Sunday, where we worship Jesus for the fact that he is God and that he is good and his ways are perfect and his plan is better than anything we could even imagine. And the last question, can we move to a place where we greet Jesus with the glory due his name and honor God for who he is? My prayer is that we would get to a place where we can look upon Jesus and truly say, Hosanna, glory in the highest. Our king is here. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are king. God, we thank you that this, this start of Holy Week, we can look to you with hope. We can look to you with, 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 with joy. For believers in this room, we thank you that you are a God who saves. God, I thank you that you meet us where we are. We don't have to be perfect. Even sometimes our ideas of who you are don't have to be perfect. But you love us. And just as you demonstrated to the people that would yell crucify him, that you love them anyway. And so Jesus, as we prepare our hearts for Easter Sunday and Good Friday uh, that's about to come, God, would you just help us in this moment to see you as king? The Lordship do your name, the goodness of a father, that you would come not as a, as a victorious kind of conquest, military action, but that you would come as a humble servant to people that would reject you and say, that is my son and that is my daughter. God, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the gospel that as we believe in you and trust in your name that we have forgiveness of sin, that we have joy and eternal life and life in abundance as your scripture says in John chapter 10. And Jesus, we just stand in this place or sit in this place as recipients of God's goodness that has nothing to do with anything that we've ever done or can do to earn it. And so God, I pray that as we prepare to leave this room and go about our life during Holy Week, that we would take time each day to acknowledge you as King, the Messiah, the God who saves. And that as a result, we would point people to the one who can't save. 
Jesus of Nazareth. 